You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hello everyone, this is Connie and welcome to another episode of Awaken Radio. It is so awesome to be here with you as always. And I am really excited about today's conversation because uh, we're going to be opening up a dialogue around relationships and around love. And and I know so many of us are going through challenges in relationships at the moment. They're phenomenal uh, learning grounds and opportunities for us to grow within ourselves, but they can also be really challenging. And, And I'm hearing a lot of people sharing that they're going through breakups and transitions and transformations. So I hope today's conversation will be really, really supportive. And I have an incredible guest. I'm speaking with Stephanie St. Clair, who's over in Orange County at the moment. So it's incredible that we're getting to connect on other parts of the world. Now, for those of you who don't know Steph, she is a writer, a life and guidance consultant and the creator of blissbombed.com, which is a site that I really recommend you guys check out. She specializes in life reinvention and spiritual alignment using law of attraction principles. She splits her time between New York and Los Angeles, writing, speaking, and coaching private clients. She's the mother of three children, photographer, and working on her first book, The Afterlight. Thank you so much for being here, Steph. It's wonderful to speak with you. Oh, Connie, thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this time together with you. Beautiful. I've been following your work actually for a couple of years now, and I I love your approach because I find through both your videos and your writing, you you explain things in a really uh, simple and practical way, but the concepts you teach are deep and powerful. And, and I love the way in all of your videos and your writing, you really go into so much detail to really support people with whatever it is you're wanting to share with them. And, and your work has really been, it, it's a real comforting feeling when I'm, when I'm on your site and when I'm watching your videos and it's, it's just beautiful. So it's so nice that we get to have this conversation today and I know you wrote a blog post which was titled 20 difficult truths about love and relationships from a life coach and you recorded some videos on it as well and it had a really powerful response um as a starting point I'm curious where you have developed so much wisdom about relationships has this come through your own personal journey has this come through working with clients how how has this sort of knowledge that you have around this come about (laughs) Thank you first for the kind words. That is so nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yes, from the front lines of my own life, absolutely underscore underscore. Um, I started my journey into relationships when I was a 16 year old girl. And like many of us, you know, who have that first love as teenagers or late teens, early 20s, that's really when our experience in the human realm really cracks open. Um, I, you know, I, I know that you agree with me. I've read some of the things that you've written, and I've followed your work too, and I absolutely love it. And I think that the the catalyst of two human beings coming together and creating relationship is so in, incredibly powerful. And so, yes, from my own journey of being married for many years of my life, um, from the time I was twenty until I was in my mid-30s, navigating divorce, going through other relationships, being engaged, going through a broken broken engagement, and then all of my work with clients. So, 
Yes, I think relationships are a great teacher and they help us experience ourselves as love, connection, beauty. And um, so when I started my work, I really wanted to be um, like the rose-covered arbor that other sojourners on their journey could come and rest. And that's what I try to provide in my work, you know, just people to come and rest and tell me their story and for them to get healing and then be on their way. Mm. And I love your journey's taken so many different um, dynamics of relationship, right? I mean, my personal journey, I've, I've never been married, I've never gone through a divorce, and I've had some long-term relationships, but I think the different um, dynamic that you go through adds a whole different depth of experience through relationship, you know, through connection and also having to let go. Um, through your personal experience, what have you found to be some of the key foundations that make a relationship work you know if we're talking about how to build something really beautiful and solid you know yeah um it's I think one of the most important things you don't hear a lot you don't hear this spoken of a lot but um it's really important to learn how to do this with your partner and every partnership is going to be different but how to allow that person to recreate themselves every day for the rest of their lives and yet have a very sweet, connected relationship. So it's almost like a hold on loose. I think that's the first part before you can even get to the important things like, you know, total honesty and authenticity and transparency and forgiveness. You have to go into relationship knowing that this is a whole, complete and perfect human being who has you know, who's connected to source love and to love without possession is really, really key. And for you to also experience that from your partner. So it takes a very, you know, developed sense of consciousness um, to do that. But, but I want to say that with a caveat that it doesn't mean that somebody who's in their late teens, early 20s doesn't have access to this. So um, I counsel a lot of women who are in their late 30s, have never been married and they look back and they said, well, I had to do all of this stuff before I could even be open to marriage or motherhood. And because I come from, you know, the different, a different angle of having met my husband when I was 18, um, I can honestly say, as long as you are tapped into yourself and to your higher power, you're going to be okay. Um, it's, it's the wisdom that you get from being in that relationship and then working out how they can be themselves and they don't have to stay the same, you know? So a lot of people go into relationships with that fear like, oh, it's so great now, but what if my partner changes? What if they have different needs? And so that's a lower vibration, um, lower level of consciousness. Again, no judgment on whatever stage anybody's in. Gosh knows I've been through all the stages myself. Mm. Um, but, and, and not to be too long-winded here, but I just want to I want to end that, um, that reply with something that was really powerful that my mentor told me. He stood in front of a group of us, and he was in his late 60s, and he had been married three times. His last wife that he was currently married to, he'd been married to for 25 years. And he said, on my wedding day, I only made one promise to my wife, and that was that I would never know her. And we all sat there sort of dumbstruck, like, mm. that's so antithetical to marriage. Like, how can you promise not to know someone? And then we got it. This man was committing that every day she could wake up and be whoever she wanted to be, and that he was going to be by her side, and that he would discover her anew every day. And that really impacted me. 
Wow. You know, I would say looking back on my relationships, um, it's the times where my attention has drifted from myself, my connection with myself has been compromised and all my attention has gone on the other person and uh, the connection with them and how they're feeling and where they're at has become uh, has dominated my focus and my attention and I've kind of lost myself there. And I think we therefore attach to perhaps an idea that we've created of this person or the expectations we have of who they need to be um, versus that what you're sharing there, which is the it's, it's unconditional love, I guess, of that person and, and knowing that you are full and complete within yourself. So you're not needing them to be a certain way to complete you you can let them be whoever they are exactly it, it when you come when you come from love like that love is a creation it's not it's not even a commitment so to promise to love somebody for the rest of your life even though that is such a wonderful thing to want it's really impractical it's it's like promising to feel any emotion for the rest of your life anger, sadness, love, bliss, fear. You can't promise that to somebody, but what you can promise is that you'll create it with them moment to moment to moment. And I think for somebody who hasn't done their core work, that's a really scary concept because, you know, we Im Im immediately devolve into, well, what if he or she doesn't love me tomorrow? Yeah. What if I'm not good enough? And so that's where the self-work comes in. But you really can do this work as a couple. I've seen it. I've seen successful relationships. When you come from love is a creation and we're committed to creating that for each other every day and it's going to look different next week and next month and next year and we're okay with that, then you're cooking with gas. Yeah. So this really is, I mean, the foundation of this is really our relationship with ourselves, right? Very much so. Um, although I will tell you and admit to you, I don't like the concept that is currently powerful that you have to be a whole person in order to love another person or that you have to love yourself first before you love another person. I know that, that you know, our minds want to grab onto that because it sounds really wise. But in practical life, the truth is we all have wounds, and that's okay. We all don't love ourselves to the extent that we should, and that's okay. We're on a journey. It's going to take us until we're 105 years old sitting on the porch somewhere. Mm -hmm. So just wherever you're at right now, you have enough self-love, and you're just going to have to trust this. You have enough self-love to be an amazing partner to somebody You'll have to develop it, and sometimes it's going to be difficult, and some people have more work to do than others. But this idea that we have to get to some um, ideal of, <laughs> of perfection, which to me, our, you know, our industry, Connie, sometimes makes wholeness sound like perfection. Mm. So I sort of back away from that. And my rule is if you're about 85% happy <laughs> or sure – you should just go for it and figure out the other 15% on the way. I'm so thrilled you brought that up. And I think it's actually really nice because it does um, break down some of the, as you said, the kind of ideals that we've set 
particularly when we're on the personal growth journey. And I actually hear it a lot with women that I work with, which is I'm not ready for a relationship. I have to learn to love myself first. And I've got to spend some time working on myself, which is beautiful. And I completely agree. But I see it being a delay tactic or a a self-protective mechanism, kind of like I'm not enough yet for someone to love me. So I'm going to delay that relationship until I feel better about myself. And, And I love what you're sharing because I love relationships because they challenge me, because they make me aware of perhaps areas within myself where I have got some insecurity going on or I have got some limiting beliefs or some fear. And I wouldn't be aware of that within me if I didn't have this person that I was in a relationship with kind of bringing that up in me. So I completely agree with you. And and to I think when you kind of come together as two people where you can embrace your flaws, if we were to use that word, you can also then love and accept the other person when they're in their flaws, but then you can use the dynamic of the relationship to work on that. Is that kind of what, what you're sharing? Absolutely. You and I are totally synced. It's, um, there's something so sweet about love and so healing and it moves with velocity to those wounds that, you know, that's why we're in relationship. We're, we're there to be among other things, among just being partnered and have life flow easier because when you're partnered, it does, um, there's a sweetness to it that heals you. And, and also a vulnerability that's really, really powerful. Um, the example that I give my clients when, cause I hear the same thing, Connie, mm. <laughs> I hear women like if I could just do more yoga and, and drink more <laughs> green juice and like be better without my body, you know, I'd be ready and yeah. all this. Um, and, and, and trust me, I've been on that treadmill. Yeah. I know exactly what they're saying, <laughs> but I say, you know, it's, this is, you know, also the deeper work of soul contracts at play. So let's just pretend that you came into this world and, and part of your soul contract was to be uh, light and so you're this beautiful little candle. And how do you know yourself in the human experience as light um, or as a candle if you're in a room with a million other candles? You actually have to be shrouded in darkness to know yourself as light. And so relationships sometimes will provide that kind of distinction for us because how do we know ourselves as, let's say, a courageous woman if we're not sitting toe-to-toe with our darling across from us who says, uh, I just got fired from my job and I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and so we sit there and we're like, okay, how, how can I be courageous right now for my, my partner? Or they say, you know, I'm feeling depressed or I'm struggling with this aspect of our relationship. Then guess what? You get to be courageous. And that's why, you know, guides and lightworkers and counselors and coaches are really important. I think everybody should have a a coach or a counselor, somebody outside their orbit that will help them through these really important things, especially in light of the consciousness elevation of our our planet right now. So, yes, relationship provides a space to be distinct and to know yourself as the very core, beautiful characteristics that you want to know yourself as. It's very hard to do that in a vacuum. 
Totally. I actually had this experience. I went through a, a significant relationship breakup at the end of last year and uh, a lot of circumstances unfolded where I felt a lot of hurt and rejection and abandonment, which was all stuff I had to face up to. But I, um, I love the little parable from Conversations with God, which is similar to what you've said about this little soul contract that's kind of decided before two souls come down to earth and the, the, the lessons they teach each other and the opportunities they give for each soul to practice certain qualities. And when I was going through this breakup with him, I, um, I brought him in soul to soul. I kind of closed my eyes and imagined his little soul sitting in front of me and I had a conversation with him, kind of asking him, what am I, what am I meant to be learning from this? Why, why is this happening? And, and he said to me, um, I'm teaching you how to keep your heart open even when there's pain because my tendency is to shut down when there's pain, you know. And it was a phenomenal realization to learn how to still love him at a distance, forgive him, be grateful, and keep my heart open, even though there was the tendency to want to shut down and run away. Um, that really impacted me, and it's something I love to teach my clients as well. And that's what I feel relationships offer us the opportunity for. That is powerful. That yeah. is so powerful. And you know, it speaks to what what you you talk about often about wholeness. Mm. It's like you really had to find yourself as whole in order to keep your heart open and not shut down. You know, that, I mean, no doubt that that built a brand new version of Connie Chapman mm. um, going through that and just leaning and pressing into, you know, source love through that, that whole process. Mm. So how do you support, you know, you work with clients, how do you support, because for a lot of people, this, this is big work, right? And, but I feel a lot of us are being given the assignment right now because there are challenges being manifested in relationships for a lot of people. Um, what are some of the ways that you support women who are maybe coming up against their own insecurity, their own tendency to shut down or sabotage or run away or haven't yet got the consciousness or, or want to create the consciousness within themselves? Um, I know it's probably a very unique and individual practice in your sessions, but what are some of the things that you've found that have worked? Yeah, I, I hear you. So, I'm guessing that you're familiar with Harville Hendricks' work, Getting the Love You Want, and his whole concept about Imago matching. No, I've never heard of it. Oh, you're going to love this. Yeah. I have a book for you, Getting awesome. the Love You Want. <laughs> and his theory that he developed with his wife is called Imago matching. And so Imago means image in Latin. So I'll just give you like a little yeah. brief composite sketch. So basically I tell my clients that you know, the conscious mind wants to be happy, but the subconscious mind wants to be healed. And so we're like heat-seeking missiles. We will find the partner to marry where we have the, the best chance at healing the old childhood wounds that we have. Yeah. So in Imago matching, you take the composite sketch of your primary caretakers, usually that's mom and dad, and with all of their strengths and all of their weaknesses mixed together, you will find a partner that closely resembles that and you won't even know you're doing it. <laughs> now, it's not a perfect science, but, but just to show you about Imago matching, for my clients, there's always the, the guy or the gal that they just couldn't let go. You know, maybe they've gone on and married somebody else, but there's that one that just was, you know, what some term is soulmate. 
and they've been hurt for 10 years, they couldn't let them go, or you'll have an Imago match where two people provide that Imago image for each other. So these are the Romeo and Juliets of the world. The, the, the relationship is totally intense. Like they're in love from day one. The sex is amazing. They're, they're, they can't leave each other's side. And then conversely, they, they can destroy each other. They're crying. They're, not, they're missing work. They're fighting in the street. You know, it's, <laughs> it's very high intensity. And that's your clue that, oh boy, I'm in an Imago match. Now, Imago match can be so healing. I think it's one of the best relationships you can be in. And yes, it's, it's preferable to have a husband or a wife that is your Imago match. It's not necessary, though. Um, but in a conscious relationship where you realize that we're going to trigger the heck out of each other, but our purpose is to heal... Those are the lifers. Those are the relationships where these the, this couple goes and takes on the world together. So even even with somebody who's just coming into their own you know development as far as consciousness goes, they can connect with this idea of yes, my mind wants to be happy, but my heart wants to be healed. And then we you know we go into identifying core wounds and. And people can latch on to that, and it really does change their world once they have that distinction. Mm. I, I love to um, be support people to be really conscious of, and this is exactly what you're talking about because we're, we're going to have wounds triggered, to when you keep your attention sort of on yourself, right, because I think what can happen is someone triggers something in you and, uh, and we go straight into attack, like if we're a little bit unconscious to it and pointing the finger and being like, you hurt me, you upset me and, uh, you know, get out of my life and whatever else. And there can be a lot of reaction. And um, if we're conscious to uh, ourselves and listening to ourselves, I like to encourage people to, to really sit down and get honest, like what's going on for me right now? Like what am I feeling? And if this wasn't about the other person, so if they hadn't actually done anything wrong, they had just made me conscious of an unhealed wound within me, for example, you know, that that uh, was installed in me through my relationship with mum or dad, um, you know, and, and to get curious, what what is that in me? And, and, you know, for example, my example, it was, well, it's the tendency to shut down when I fear that I'm going to be rejected or abandoned. And for me to actually uh, come face to face with that and own that and take responsibility that that's my stuff. Do you notice people, as I see it a lot, people kind of projecting their own stuff onto other people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and yes, then you're triggering each other and it's you're devolving down into what I call the evil clown basement where <laughs> you're, you're down there and all your exes are down there. Uh. It's, yeah, it's, it's not a pretty show. You know, you're eating ice cream out of the tin and crying your eyes out. So here's the thing. There's, there's another great book. Um, it, it, I don't know if you've heard of it. it. It's called Attachment and the authors are Levine and Heller. It's the new science of adult attachment. I think it's one of the most important relationship books out there. I really encourage all of your tribe to go pick up a copy of it. Um, essentially, and I'll just use my own rendition of, of the concepts of this book because I talk about this a lot with my clients. In most relationships, there's a nurture person and there's a freedom person. So as you go through your life, sometimes you'll be the freedom person in your relationship and sometimes you'll be the nurture person. And for the nurture person, they feel the happiest and most secure when they're giving their all to the relationship. And the relationship is the highest importance. And that's 
perfect for that person. So any nurture people out there who are in a relationship, don't feel bad about that. Don't feel like you're being insecure or codependent or anything like that just because you're the nurture person. Now, the freedom person needs a lot of spaciousness. They need to kind of have their times with you know their guys and their girls or have a lot of alone time. We find a lot of introverts as the freedom person um, paired with... Um, uh, with you know, a really charismatic personality. So what happens when you have the nurture person or the freedom person is the nurture person st starts feeling clingy to the freedom person. And then the freedom person is triggering the heck out of the nurture person with you know, feeling like they're being abandoned. So this book, in a nutshell, tells you how to have conversations with each other where, let's say, the nurture person really needs to submit to the idea that their freedom person for them to feel love is to feel like they're free in order for the nurture person to get their needs met. And same with the freedom person. The freedom person needs to submit to the idea that the nurture person really needs the affection or the closeness. And they, they give that to their partner with love and inspiration so that they can have their needs met. So it's a fantastic book. Most of the time when people, and again, I always say to my clients, because, you know, um, we all love to glom onto like, what's the truth, right? The truth is I'm the nurture person and you have to meet my needs. <laughs> so I tell my clients with any of these ideas or concepts that that's all they are. It's not the truth. Okay. And you can shift and you're in choice at any time you want to be, but these are ideas you can try on to give you some power into your relationships. And can we, so that's excellent. Yeah, and can we explore this concept of communication more? Because my experience has been in relationships when it's the minute communication isn't working in a relationship, that's when everything starts to fall apart. And I, I sometimes have my clients, and I've experienced this myself, kind of wondering, you know, you have feelings come up about something, maybe something bothers you that that person's done or uh, you're upset about something or you kind of um, need to have a conversation. And I feel sometimes we get a bit stuck between uh, kind of should I, should I have this conversation because maybe I'm just being needy or I'm being a bit demanding or maybe this is my own stuff versus I really want to be able to speak my truth. How do you support people to kind of have conversations that aren't like, you know, you can be pointing the finger and making someone wrong versus this is how I feel. How do we kind of have those really beautiful and powerful conversations in relationship? Yeah, that's such a great question. And the whole thing centers around context, um, providing context before you get into those conversations. So I have this little formula um, that, that I use in my own personal life and I share with my clients and my girlfriends. And it's, it's basic. It's how to help people say yes to you. So, and, and you are enrolled in the same process with them. So to be very practical, you know, there's a certain way to enter into conversations so that you can um, endorse an environment in which that person can be free to listen to you. Mm -hmm. So you let them off the hook, first of all. All that, all that you're asking and requesting is that they let you be you and they be a witness to you being you. Mm -hmm. So like, um, like how you would want to enter into it is you would want to say, you know, dear, you know what, there's something that's coming up for me and I'm wondering if this is a good time to talk about it. 
make sure that they're not just, you know, coming in the door from work or have just dealt with their parents or, you know, whatever, whatever would keep them frenetic and just make sure it's a good time. And then at that point, you just want to say, you know, these are the facts without story. Like this happened. I went to the store. I called you. You weren't available. I texted you. I didn't hear back from an, for an hour. And then this is how it made me feel. And I own these feelings and I'm not even saying they're the truth of what happened. This is just my experience with it. And then you want to make a powerful request and say, so what I'm requesting is next time, if you see the tags come through, you know, just if you could bring some compassion in and know that I get triggered because, you know, whatever your reason is, um, would you be willing to get right back to me, darling? And be loving in the way that you say it. And then the last part of this is be open to a yes or a no or a counter offer from your partner. And let them know that. Say, you're never obligated to say yes to my requests. As a matter of fact, sometimes you're going to say no. And sometimes you'll have a better idea. That is seriously one of the most profound things I've ever heard. That is so powerful the ability to communicate in that way where I agree with you facts and then this is how I feel and and I would love it if you know you could support me in this way and and again detachment from whether or not that person can I just think that type of communication would transform any relationship with anything that you're doing because and the times that I feel if I can reflect and I've been able to communicate in that way, the person doesn't feel like you're criticizing them. The person doesn't feel like you're making them wrong and uh, like they need to feel guilty and apologize to you. And I love the kind of the framing of it to start with, which is just this, what I'm feeling may not even be the truth. It's just what is coming up for me. Right. Yep. Wow. I think we ladies get kind of stuck between step two and three. <laughs> say the facts and they're really, really mashed up with how we feel. Yeah. <laughs> like, so just taking like the, the example of um, a heterosexual couple, you have a man and a woman. So men are very li linear usually. And also men live for us to be happy. Like they really are wired that they will solve it and then we'll be happy. Yeah. It's really all that they want. They don't want to argue with us. They don't, they don't want us to get dramatic more than we have to. They really do. They live to please us. So help your man be able to please you in the way that you need. But as ladies, we get really caught up and then we get into the blame and shame mode because it's like, well, fix it. You did something wrong. And that will never work. That will never work if you're a woman with a woman, a man with a man, or a woman with a man. It doesn't matter. People immediately have to shut down in order to deflect the accusations. But I've seen some very wise older ladies sort of, I, they modeled this and, and I picked up and I took many notes over the years of meeting some of these elderly ladies that, I, that I've come to know over my life. And basically they said, you know, men just want to know the facts, like, like if, as if you were witnessing like an accident on one corner and he was on the other corner, you guys are going to have separate stories of the facts and that's okay. So you say, these are the facts, this is what happened. And then this is my experience of it. So it's not like you made me feel, you did this to me. It's my experience was this. And now what I need to request is this. So you've already come up with the way that he can solve it and he can win. Oh, I it's love really, that. Really they love solving problems, don't they? Absolutely. And it's a blessing. My gosh, it's, it's so wonderful to have masculine energy mm -hmm. that, does, that does live to make it all right. 
but it's really helpful to them when they don't have to guess how to make it right. Because, you know, we've all been in those conversations where the guy's like bringing you flowers and really what you needed was hug. <laughs> or, or he's, you know, taking you out to dinner and you just need him to pick up the socks in the hallway. So give him the blueprint. Help him to win with you and say, this is what I need. And then no strings. He can say, yes, I'll do that. I'd be happy to. Or no, I'm not into that. Or how about if we do this? And then everyone's happy. You know what? I love that as well, because I think when we're a bit emotionally charged and we sort of are throwing around all these accusations and then expectations, I think a man can feel if he hears all of this, and he doesn't quite know what to do with it. He can feel a bit like a failure and retreat like there's something wrong with him. But what you've said there, which is, you know, if, if you want, it's not if you want to make me happy, but if for us to solve this and to be able to keep moving forward in the beautiful, loving way that we want to, here's what you can do if you want to most of them would kind of jump at the chance to know that they've got this ability to to fix the problem to solve it to kind of do something practical that creates this beautiful resolution you know and that empowers a man when they can play that role for you it really does and you know they're coming in with their own wounds too so you know a lot of our guys have had, you know, issues growing up with their mom. Either their mom was, you know, too doting or their mom was maybe a little absent. Who knows, you know, but they, they come in with their own issues. And also a lot of men are scarred in their first relationships of life. So I see a lot of men have most of their issues come with maybe having a first wife that they have been divorced from um, or a first girlfriend that's where a lot of our guys get wounded. And so they, they, they shut down and it feels really scary to them to have all of this emotion. Now, I am not for one second saying hold back on your emotion. I think you should be fully self-expressed as a woman. And any man that would call your emotions drama is out. <laughs> so, so that's just, and I have a very high standard for, for, you know, gentlemen in relationships too, trust me. Um, but we want to help like the whole pro- the whole reason that we're in relationship is to have harmony and to be loving to each other. So if you can just kind of go through your own process before you share it with your partner, I think it's really helpful, but that's not always possible. And, you know, let's talk about when you're with somebody who is telling, you no. Like, that's the scary thing. I'm sure some of your listeners are thinking, like, well, that's all great in a perfect world, Bonnie and Stephanie. I don't know which island you two are on, but I'm having conversations and, and, and my husband or partner just aren't, they're not listening. They're not picking up what I'm putting down. So let's talk about that. I mean, if you're, if you're amenable to that, Connie. Yeah, go for it. And the thing is, you know, scary to share so vulnerably what we need and then to feel rejected. Yeah. So um, what, what I prescribe um, is that women really do let their partner off the hook. If they make a request and their partner um, either says yes and then abdicates, so he's saying yes but not following through, or he's just like, hey, I'm not interested, or he actually makes you wrong, um, it's really, really important to have, I think, a coach or a very good girlfriend who's very mature in her own journey um, so she's not necessarily choosing sides, but she's supporting you and what you want to do. And I think you have to really assess the fitness if this is a repeated pattern. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of my clients have patterns where the person that they're with isn't meeting their needs, isn't really interested. And so I think a first starting communication with um, your husband or boyfriend 
is not to yell and scream and make him wrong for his choice, but to say, okay, I just want you to know, I'm just giving you information that I think is really important for you. This is not an ultimatum. But from now on, I'm going to take care of this area of my life by myself or go find other resources. And you're not going to be involved in it. Because for me to share with you so openly and vulnerably, this is what I need and I'm turning to you for. And it, for to not be in your bandwidth to give it to me, is it's okay for now, but I just want you to know that I'm going to have to go to other resources. Usually that will kind of jar a man awake. And, and if he really doesn't care or if he can't make, you know, his efforts to meet what you really need, what our core needs for you, you need to find another person to love and to love you. Mm. And, and I've noticed that with a few people going through uh, breakups and transitions at the moment where we kind of hold on for a while and we start to compromise on our core needs and values and what's really important out of and we start to become that person I'm pretty sure you covered this in your 20 difficult truths we start to become that person who um will give a lot and will will be like I've really I've got to make this thing work and and I'm going to work harder and I'm and oh maybe I've got to be more loving and maybe I've got to be more this and we start to I think women do it a lot we start to really compromise in in order to um keep that relationship working versus really checking in and saying hang on a second is if I was to say what I truly feel I want and deserve in a relationship is is that it Hmm. very good yep I, I agree I mean because some of us live in a scarcity mentality yeah. the truth is the next bus leaves in five minutes <laughs> that is what my my <laughs> wonderful mentor told me way back when I was going through my divorce 10 years ago and I was a broken-hearted sobbing mess and he said Stephanie the next bus leaves in five minutes and I said, <laughs> what are you talking about How and, and the truth is, it, it was. And then he would wink and smile and he'd say, you know, there's 10 men in line right now waiting to date you. Aww. So I would get into these little relationships. You know, I was starting out. I was like a tender, tender-footed little baby duck, you know, trying to yeah. date and make sense of it all. And some guy would just, you know, Robert, my mentor, would say, oh, boy, <laughs> this guy's not for her. And, you know, the problems would start cropping up. And he would say, you know, there are 10 men right now waiting for Joe to screw up so they can have their chance with you. And I couldn't believe him. I was like, no, what are you talking about? He's like, Stephanie, trust me. This is how the universe works. And, you know, you have to have a little sense of humor with it, even when your heart is sort of breaking and you're getting disappointed that this might not be the right relationship for you. But the truth is there are. There are men and women, if you're a man listening to this, um, you know, waiting to be with you. So don't date on potential. Date on what is happening in reality and really be strong for yourself. Is this a partnership that's reciprocal, that's wholesome, that's loving, that's easy? And, and you know, be brave about that. Mm. And so when we go through those processes of breakups and having to maybe walk away or let go of things, um, that's, again, another thing that I see people struggle with. And it, it took me a little while to let go as well. My experience was we kind of latch on to this idea we have. When, I, when my sort of significant relationship ended, the thing that made the breakup the hardest was I had created an idea in my head of what I thought we were going to be and, and I had to watch that idea crumble of my future and like, oh, okay, that's not going to happen. And then the second thing was I was 
Although the way that the breakup unfolded, everything he said to me made it very clear where he was at, I was still clinging to this idea of how we had been and waiting for him to realize this is, you know, this is what we have. Why can't you see it? And, and I think that, and again, the mentality you said of, we'll never find anyone like that person again. Um, so how do you support people with letting go or how have you moved through that process in the past? Yeah, there, that's, that's such a great <laughs> question. There's no shortcuts. Yeah. The truth is, you just hit the most important point. It's it's letting go of the dream of what you two yeah. were going to be, and and also the truth is, and sometimes this helps, and sometimes it it stings <laughs> a little more. But the truth is, who you guys could have been exists in the quantum field, mm. and and the idea of who you were does live somewhere out there in the universe. But for your lifetime right now, it's just not what's right for you. So just know. And then sometimes, you know, again, it does help to remember that you don't so much as miss the person. You miss the idea of who they were and what you were going to have with them. Yes, yes. And that's all self-work. You go straight to your angels and guides. You go straight to your higher power. And you throw yourself into those loving arms and allow yourself the time to get healed. Um, I think this is the time when, you know, you really do get to know yourself. Um, I went through a very dramatic breakup myself, um, an engagement that ended the night before my wedding. It was, you know, our whole life was standing at that altar Mm -hmm. and everything was going to be amazing for us. And something very horrible happened the night before my wedding. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to sign up for this? Am I going to take vows with somebody that has the capacity to hurt me in this way, or am I not? And so I literally lost everything. Financially, I had no job because I worked for his company. I had no life with the man that I loved. He was actually my childhood sweetheart. Oh, wow. And you know what? I'm here to tell you, hell yes. You have a whole beautiful life waiting for you that actually that place was circled on the map for you a long time ago and that you're going to be fine. So no matter what breakup is imminent, the truth is, find yourself, find the freedom. You, you deserve a great love. Mm. And I feel the, the practice of surrender and trust are so important there because particularly I think, you know, I'm in my early 30s and I know women who are in their 30s who are single and think that, well, you know, by the time I'm in my 30s, I'm meant to have been married. And I feel like that's changing a lot, that we need to completely kind of let go of our plan and and the way that we thought everything was going to pan out and completely surrender that first of all, I feel if you're in a relationship with someone that doesn't work out, there was still a divine lesson in there for you, learnings, growth, so much transformation within yourself. And second of all, it's because there is something else planned for you. And if we can just surrender and trust that, and as as you did, really follow our feeling versus our head that's saying, but no, this man is going to give you the life that you're dreaming of. I feel like that's when we can really start to let ourselves be guided to what's truly right for us. I agree. I totally agree. And I, th- I think, too, for our generation of women, 20s, 30s, 40s, that there is a bigger purpose for us. You know, you look at just the history of the world, and I don't want to even get into all of that, but I'm just going to say pinpoint where we're at right now. Mm. What's at stake? What's at stake is that we are enabled as women to have life work life work and legacy that can outlive us. And so our partnerships need to be in support of that. 
And so I, I find this really, really helpful with my clients when they're wanting to do a vision board about, you know, their future love. I say, what would his mission be? What kind of mission can you get behind? Because you've got a mission, so let's figure that out. What kind of mission, if you had a husband or a wife, what kind of mission would appeal to you? And I find that that is the quickest way to manifest love, is to get really connected. Because also, yes, partnership is for love and for enjoyment and for relaxation and for all those sweet things. But it's also how can we create a better world that, that you know, with a legacy that outlives us. Mm. And so, for instance, I married... Um, a man at 20 years old. We're still great friends. We were married for 16 years and we had three beautiful children. Mm -hmm. I remember on the day that my divorce was finalized, I, I asked God, I said, did you cry on my wedding day knowing that this was going to be the end? Mm -hmm. Like I prayed and prayed and prayed and said, open doors, shut doors, God, you know, I was this very, very spiritual girl, um, growing up and, and that door was open for me to marry him, and I couldn't understand why. And, and I really made my peace with it after that, that this was a soul relationship that was a protective covering over my life. I got to bring three beautiful kids into this world. And I'm standing here now at 45, Connie. I have no fear that I'm not going to meet my soulmate and be married. I know that that's a fact. Oh. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't. But, you know, my, my partnerships are all for me to do my work in this world and for me to help my husband. Oh, my goodness. You are the most phenomenal woman. Just hearing your story, that just – I've never thought of it in that way um, because I too, as a lot of women do, feel a very strong – life mission and I've watched a lot of women feel they need to compromise on that for their relationship or they've been in relationships with men who haven't fully supported it or have at times suppressed and deny, helped them deny that part of themselves and um, the idea of coming, you know, it doesn't mean your partner is going to be doing the same profession, profession that you are but I love that idea of you being brought together with a mission and, and connecting with their mission and, and that every relationship has a divine purpose and Oh, my goodness. What a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much. It has been such a delight to have this conversation with you, too. I got so much out of it, and I, <laughs> I just can't wait to um, perhaps have another time to talk to you in the future. Oh, I feel like, you know, I'm trying to keep my eye on the time here, but I feel like I could just keep talking to you, and I know that there's so much that you share outside of the area of relationship as well, so I have no doubt you and I will have another conversation at another time, but I just, from, from the bottom of my heart, I have to say thank you so much for your time today and for what you've shared because I know so many people will find so much comfort and support in, in your personal experience that you've shared and also all the wisdom that you've shared. So I really, really appreciate it. And, and just to wrap up, I'd love to know, um, you know, what's in the pipeline for you over the coming months? What can people expect from you or how can people find out more about what you're up to? Oh, thank you for asking. Well, I would say the project right now that I'm working on that I have been, I've had my hands, head and heart in this project for just over a year now is called the seven miracles project. And basically I teach people how to create seven miracles for themselves in 30 days. And it's really all about using quantum science, but not in the scary, overwhelming kind of sense. But it's very much the things that you and I talked about today, you know, how to um, reorganize yourself so that you can be whole and, and complete in relationship. And how can you see what's available to you um, as possibility and miraculous? So 
I teach that course. The next one's coming up in September. And then I'm also working on, this is brand new. I've never done this project before. So probably be probably be the autumn before this gets launched, but it's called the 21 Laws of Personal Sovereignty, How to Be the Most Powerful Person That You Know. And I've taken 21 principles that I personally live by, and I'm creating a program all around it. And um, it, yeah, again, like it, it's, it's such a passion of mine to teach people how to um, take principles and then really live full, whole, complete loving lives. Mm. That sounds incredible. So I, I really recommend people pop over to your site, blissbomb.com, because there's just it's just overflowing with beautiful content and the programs that you're offering. So thank you so much, Stephanie. It's been beautiful chatting to you, and I really, really appreciate it. Thank you too, Connie. My pleasure. And thank you to everyone who's been tuned into today's episode. I hope you have had some beautiful realizations and learnings and taken some really practical guidance from this that you can carry forth into your relationships. Uh, thanks for tuning in and I look forward to chatting to you guys in next week's episode of Awakened Radio. Bye.